Would you all please stand for a reading of the gospel? A reading comes from Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news spread about him throughout the countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the people. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you smiling, Pastor? Because it's so good to see you here. And I'm also smiling because I recognize that uh, something is happening even as we worship here on this morning. And I'm going to share that with you in a moment. I want to talk to you for a minute about worshiping communities and a new understanding. Um, the book of Nehemiah, as you know, records the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the destruction. Nehemiah, the prophet, was instrumental in making sure that that work was done. Uh, Nehemiah 8 provides us with a worshiping community that I think will assist us in understanding what the nature of worship is to be and how it is to be lived out in community. So for a few moments, I want to lift up three different worshiping communities. Join me in a word of prayer. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, you truly are our strength and you are our redeemer. In Nehemiah chapter 8, what we know is that Jerusalem has been rebuilt. We know that this community of worshipers are gathering um, on this day because they are celebrating this festival of the booths or this uh, Sukkot, which means festival of the booths. Booth, not boots. The winter weather is getting to my mind. <laughs> As is their custom the Torah is brought out, and the people are listening to the Word of God. And as you read that particular passage of Scripture that's in the bulletin, I would suggest to you that we can glean from it what happens when people come together to worship. First of all, we know that worship is a communal experience. I believe in private worship. We've talked about the importance of private worship. But coming together as a community of faith I tell you, my brothers and sisters, we will be able to experience God in a way that we cannot duplicate anywhere else, be it walking through the woods, which is great to experience God, fishing on the lake, that's a great way to experience God's presence, 
or just being still and quiet, a wonderful way to experience God's presence. But when the believers of Jesus Christ come together in community and worship God, we experience God in a way that cannot be repeated anywhere else. So what we see in this particular text is that this community has come together to worship God. Secondly, because they have come together for the purpose of worshiping God, they know that God is in their midst. Are you able to experience God in your midst? Thirdly, as we look at this text, we see that the word of God takes center stage. What does the text say? The text says that as Ezra is reading the Torah, the people begin to weep. The question has been asked, so why why are they weeping? Well, there's several suggestions. One suggestion is that they are so thankful to be able to hear the Torah being read again after being in exile for years and not hearing it read as a community of faith. Another suggestion is that they are weeping because as they hear the word of God being read in their midst, they are mindful of their sins and they're not having lived up to God's expectation as God's children. And then there's another uh, thought that maybe they're weeping because they are filled with joy. They're filled with joy. They're able to hear God's word once again, and they are thankful for this opportunity. And also, they're able to understand it because as you look at the verses that were not read, what we know is that as they're hearing the word of God being read in their presence, the Levites are going back and forth amongst the people interpreting the word to them. So yes, they are hearing and understanding God's word and they are filled with joy. And, 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 and in verse nine, they are told, look, don't be sad today, but be happy. You're hearing the word of God. You're experiencing God in your midst. Be happy for truly The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we like to quote that particular text in the 21st century. Let me share something with you. The next time you feel a bit uh, disheartened or downcast or disappointed by anything, I'm going to ask you to think about the Lord You may want to sing to the Lord. You may want to talk to the Lord. I want you to focus yourself on the Lord and just say, Lord, I thank you for being who you are. Now, you may come up with your own language, and that's fine. But I will tell you that as you revel in the joy of your relationship with the Lord, you're going to feel stronger. Try it. So not only has this community gathered for public worship, Not only have they experienced the fellowship of God being in their midst, not only are they able to see the importance of God's word being at the center, but they also experience transformation. Hmm. (laughs) What a wonderful, phenomenal recipe, isn't it? A spiritual recipe. There's a second community that's worshiping. I want to draw your attention to it. It's found in in the book of Luke. 
And as we know, uh, Luke chapter 4, a very familiar text, we find that Jesus has been traveling throughout the region of, of Galilee, and he's been preaching and teaching in the synagogues, and uh, he's been well-received. As a matter of fact, I would suggest his reputation has preceded his appearance at the synagogue located in Nazareth. And so he shows up, and as is the custom, of course, uh, whenever Jews worship, uh, there was an opportunity for them to, to recite the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is, is one God. There were prayers, of course, and, and there were opportunities for people to read the scripture. Uh, Jesus was handed the scroll. He, he selected the scroll, Isaiah, the Isaiah text, Isaiah 61, and, and he began to read it. You, you remember the language of that text, except I will tell you he read only Isaiah uh, chapter, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, when he read Isaiah chapter 61, he only read verse um, 1 and 2a and not 2b, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But he read this text, and, and this text we know was really his, his mission statement. This is what he had been called to do. And so he takes the time to read this statement. And as he's reading it, I just want you to know that he's giving it a new understanding. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's able to say, because what Jesus has recognized is from the moment of his baptism, the Spirit has been present in his life. You remember when he was baptized, the Spirit showed up like a dove. When he entered into the wilderness, it was because the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And now in Luke chapter 4, we are reminded that um, he came because the Spirit was on him. I must tell you, beloved, if we are to carry out the mission that we are being given, um, we need to make sure that we have the Spirit of God leading us. So he gives new meaning to this text. What he says is that he has come to bring good news to the poor. Now, there are those who would like to take this mission statement and just spiritualize it. Jesus just wants to bring good news to the poor who are spiritually poor. Well, I would suggest to you that as we look at this text, it's more than about Jesus being concerned about people who are poor spiritually. In Luke chapter 7, verse 21, John the Baptist, who is in prison, sends two of his disciples to Jesus, and, and he asks the question, can you tell me, are you the one that we're to be looking for, that we've been looking for, or should we just wait and look for another? And listen to Jesus' response in verse 22. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. I will tell you, for whatever reason, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I did not hear a lot about poor people 
being in need of Jesus Christ from a spiritual perspective. But what we do know is that uh, God is concerned about the poor. Listen to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Jesus is concerned not only about the spiritual needs of individuals, but Jesus Christ is also concerned about the physical needs of individuals as well. And so, Jesus Christ informs this body of believers of what his mission is to be in the world, and he is letting them know is that he is the fulfillment of their hopes and of their dreams. He proclaims in this synagogue, in this worshiping, in this worshipful experience, he proclaims that the promise liberating work of the Spirit of God is now present through him. No longer do they have to look elsewhere for anyone to fulfill the messianic promise. Yes, it's Jesus Christ who fulfills the hope of all. It's Jesus Christ who will heal the brokenhearted, who will announce the release of the prisoners It's Jesus Christ who will give recovery of sight to the blind. And not just physical recovery of sight, but it's Jesus Christ who will help those who are blind to seeing God's activity in the world. He will help them to see God's activity in the world. Yes. Well, I mentioned that there are three communities worshiping communities that that we will look at today. And the first one, of course, was found in the book of Nehemiah. The second one, of course, was found in the book of Luke. But I would suggest to you that the third one is found in the 21st century. You see, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, I, I believe that we are that third community of worship. We understand the importance of community worship. We understand the importance of coming together to worship this awesome living God who's been revealed through Jesus Christ. That's why you've shown up today, because you know that there is an encounter that we are having with God and will have in God in this worship experience that cannot be duplicated anywhere else. We know that when we enter through the doors into this sacred space known as Evangel Heights, United Methodist Church, that we will truly have an encounter with the awesome living God. And we know how important it is that God's word be the center of all that we say and all that we do. And like the worshiping community that's recorded in the book of Nehemiah, And like the worshiping community that's uh, recorded in the book of Luke, because after Jesus uh, finished, um, they they were amazed. They were pleased with him. And if I'm if I'm smiling, let me just tell you, they were pleased with him. 
when it came to Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22. Now, when you start looking at verse 23, we'll see something else, but that's for another time. I would suggest to you that even then, transformation was beginning to take place. And what we know is that third worshiping community, when we come together to worship God, the Spirit of God will use all that occurs within the worship experience, and especially the preaching of God's Word, to bring about transformation in our lives. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord our God, we give you thanks that you remind us through the mission of your Son, Jesus Christ, of what our mission is to be, yes. You remind us that as we come together to worship you in spirit and in truth, we too can experience release from bondage. We too can experience the sight to see you in new ways, working in our lives and working in our communities. We too can see how you have and how you will continue to use us to make a difference in the lives of those who are poor economically, poor socially, and yes, even poor spiritually. I give you thanks for this community of worshipers. And I thank you for the ways in which, bless you, holy God, that you will continue to use us as Jesus Christ's light in this world. It's in his name that I pray and give you thanks. Amen.